Amazing. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to today's Sticky Learning Lunch. We're just clicking on to the hour. We're waiting for the people to come into the room. Welcome, everybody. Hello, hello. Good to see you. Good to see some friendly faces, some long-term friends in there. Carolina, great to see you. Matt, fantastic to see you. Susan, great to see so many regular people and new people coming into space, excited for today's content. Thank you for being here. It means a lot to me. This subject means a lot to me. Just going to give it 30 seconds while we're waiting for the last few people to arrive in the room. Let's make sure we're setting you up for success. Drinks at the ready. Jason, Vicky, thank you for being here. Tracy again. Gabrielle, thank you. Let's just get these last people in the room and then we'll get into today's content. Welcome everybody. Hello Carolina, thank you. It's great to see you here, thanks for being here. Just gonna give it a moment. Let's make sure, first things first, phones, crikey, where's mine? Mine's over there, I don't know if it's on flight mode yet. As always, let's get your phones out. Let's make sure you've got them on flight mode. Let's zero out the distraction and maximize the attention on you. Let's maximize the attention that you're gonna to give to yourself and your development in this process as we go through this today and as I share these ideas. That's one, flight mode. Two, drinks, absolutely. Three, let's make sure you're setting up your notepad in the best possible way, clean sheet. Again, no distractions on that piece of paper. This is about your thinking and what you want to get from today, what you want to download from the thinking, what new ideas come up. So at the top of that fresh page, you're going to write keepers. Keepers, can I put my children on flight mode? If there was a button for that and either you or I invented it, for working from home, we would be very rich people, Caroline. So let's make sure you've got that clean page. Fresh. At the top, you're going to write keepers, and keepers are the things you want to keep hold of, the place where you want to put the new ideas and thoughts that are coming up that you want to um, remind yourself of and reinvigorate when you look back through your notes later on. So the objective of today and the objective of that is to write more than three things that you want to take away from today. So pens, paper, app, they're ready to take this information on. Last few people, I think, have arrived. Just says. Great crowd in today, great to see you all. It's amazing, I just remembered to take it off. Share screen, let's get into the day. So what are we covering this week? Ah, back step. Welcome to Sticky Learning Lunches with me, Nathan Simmons, Senior Leadership Coach and Trainer for MBM, Making Business Matter, the home of Sticky Learning. And we are the leadership, development and soft skills provider to the grocery and manufacturing industry. My idea of these lunchtime learnings, these micro sessions, is to help you upgrade that thinking, help you be the best version of you right now in this current moment when you're working from home and also preparing you for that return to work that we have no idea is when, when it's coming due to the confusion of yesterday, but this isn't a politics discussion. Today's session is all about the I in mind. So mind is a four stage process that I have designed through my coaching techniques and coaching ideas to help leaders have more robust conversations with the people in their teams that may be experiencing mental health challenges. 
is to help encourage those leaders actually have the conversation. Because it doesn't really matter whether people have got qualified as coaches, as mental health first aiders or practitioners, if your leaders are nervous or you're nervous about having that conversation with that individual, doesn't matter what tools you've got, you're still gonna feel uh, a reticence to go and do that and you'll get nervous. And huge sways and huge percentages of leaders currently are nervous about having that conversation because they believe they're going to say the wrong thing or they're gonna get it so wrong it's gonna cause more damage. In the majority, by saying nothing actually causes the most amount of damage. By making people feel like that you don't care or you're not thinking about them just compounds the issue. You can say anything to anybody as long as it's done with absolute love and respect and humanity. So as a leader, being a leader is all about being humane, it's about being human, it's about being emotional. And it's about bringing that to the table when you're having these honest conversations with people. As long as you're doing it, again, like I say, with that love and respect, you can have that conversation. You can work with them to help them find their way through. Because it's not what we tell them to do. It's not about giving advice, which we, we don't do as mental health first aiders. It's about asking the right questions so that person can come up with their own solutions that's going to help solve it in the way that's right for them, not what we believe or wish to inflict upon them. And as Jeff Birch told me or taught me uh, last week, you know, is a change inflicted, is a change resisted. And it's through our questioning and the way that we direct people or help them to direct their focus with those questions that's going to help them to come up with those solutions. Which is why this model is important to me and to the people um, that I work with. So, Quick recap from yesterday. Question from me to people that were here yesterday or have seen the replay. What did you take away from yesterday that was useful? Fire it up in the questions box. Let me see what's actually sunk in from yesterday. And let's build on that because we're going to do a super quick recap on yesterday and then we're going to get into today's importance. Four Fs model, good. Brain shifting, absolutely. How someone thinking may change when it's in a crisis, absolutely, brain shuts down. Ownership and getting them to feel safe enough to talk, absolutely. Brain is a validation machine, questioning and signposting, huge. Guys, thank you very much for taking this on board. A quick recap, mind, it is mindset, tell a lie. The mind is the model. Mindset starts with yours and theirs not all about them, it's all about you as a collaboration about making things work. Number two is yes, the mechanics of the brain and how it's actually working against us and playing tricks on us, but it's doing that based on 200,000 years of evolution to keep you safe and alive so that you can procreate and continue the species moving forward. We just have to understand that part of our brain, which it thinks is doing us a favor, is actually holding us back from progressing or keeping us stuck in certain protective loops that we've learned in traumatic or um, crisis-like situations. The way to help shift out of that is asking questions. You want better answers, you ask better questions. Whatever question you put in, your brain will create an answer or a response based on what you put in. 
The equation that I use for this is HQI equals HQO. High quality inputs equal high quality outputs. Write that down if you need to. HQI equals HQO. How do we want to shift this then? When we get into importance, what is importance? He says. Importance is the thing that we put on certain parts of our life. The importance that we put on things makes uh, raises that up in our priorities or our scheduling. So when we look at time management, is it urgent? Is it important? When we're looking at things that are um, we're connected to, you know, we make decisions when we're doing house clearances. Okay, well, what does this mean to me? What's the significance of this? What's important about this to me? So importance, and when you look at the mind model, so by the way, there's going to be a link in, in, in the chat box about the, the mind coaching cards, the health, the mental health coaching cards that I've designed. The eye in, in the mind model has a finger. And when we're talking about importance, it's what are you focusing on that you know that you're applying your importance and your significance to. So this is what the importance is. As we point the finger, we then decide what is in our focus. You can only focus on one thing at a time. Other elements may be blurry, and this is how your eyes work. As I'm looking at the camera rather than the image of me down there, I can see the little tiny circle and everything else is blurry. The clock behind is blurry. The light is blurry. I can only look at one thing clearly at a time. And we all do this. You can't think of multiple elements. You only ever think of one part of it at a single point in time. So the importance is of understanding where is your focus at that moment. When you're dealing with a crisis situation, a mental health challenge or episode or moment, whatever you would like to frame it as, what is the person you're working with or supporting? What are they focusing on? Open question to everyone in the room. When you're dealing with a situation like this, what is the person focusing on that is causing the situation to come up? Let's see what comes up in the answers. If you're dealing with an anxiety attack, a panic attack, a PTSD flashback, what is the thing? So the first one that comes up the future, a lot of what ifs. So their brain is making certain things up. And the future is an imagined version of what might happen with your emotions escalating and de-escalating the elements that you believe are important. The story behind their trigger, absolutely. So something may have happened and actually they're applying a story to it, a narrative. The cause of the anxiety in the past, absolutely, the fear of the unknown. So there's different elements that are coming up in this. Just seems so relevant right now uh, with people in isolation, struggling with the lack of contact, exactly this. Everybody has mental health. Everyone has a different level of mental health and everyone has a different level in different places. So it's important that we understand that in this intensity, and I refer to it the intensity of proximity with the people that we've chosen to be in in these spaces with, 
some of these mental health things are really going to come to the surface. Ones that we may have been using work to distract ourselves with or drinking too much coffee or certain relationships to distract us with. Now those distractions aren't there. Now we get to see the truth that sits behind it. That's going to be the interesting part, even now as we're talking about. So where the focus is, is more often than not, it's either on the past experience. Well, that's what happened over there. So it's going to happen again here. Or we're looking forward and we're making up the idea in our head and we're focusing on something that hasn't happened um, in accordance to what we believe may be the worst case scenario. So we get caught in the wrong space and where the focus is, that, that's what then brings up the emotions that go with it. Everything starts with a thought. Everything starts with a thought. Your emotions are quite simply a barometer of the quality of thinking that preceded it. I hope this makes sense. When you look at things, and I use this quite a lot, Marcus Aurelius, you know, things are neither good or bad. It is the thinking that makes them so. But based on this previous experience, based on what we've been taught or indoctrinated with, we will look at that situation and go, oh, maybe Uncle Albert from in 1757 had this problem. And because of that, we now believe as a family that actually this will happen when we go for job interviews. But we do it because it's a, a safety mechanism maybe from previously that's causing us to be frustrated there. We're going into new territory. We don't know what the outcome might be. And we start to worry about the wrong focuses and wrong elements. Therefore, the emotions start to come up. So when we understand the importance of where that is, it's then understanding, so where do we want to be, the importance of focus. How do we redirect that? Funnily enough, by asking questions. You'll see how some of this layers nicely. When someone is in that moment, when someone is, is fixed on that point, prime example, someone's going for a job interview and they're getting really anxious and they're getting really worked up and the heart rate's going and they're like, they don't know what to think. They're worried they might make a, a fool of themselves. They're nervous. It's really important to them. And they're going through these struggles and strains. The focus is actually at that point going into the mistake they think they're going to make in the interview, that the lack of preparation that, may, that they believe they've made or that someone else may critique them on, that they um, are worried about, you know, that people might think more, that they think more of themselves or they're above their station for applying for the job. So they're constantly focusing on all these elements and it's all about me, me, me. It's all about what I think people think of me. And I'm just using this one as an example. But then when dealing with this person, and this is a true event for me, I even ask the question, so what are you currently focusing on? I'm focusing on this, this, and this, and this, and this. Okay. So shift that focus quite literally. Think about all the things that you've done to prepare for this. What have you, what have you done to prepare for it? Well, I did this, this, and this, and this. Oh, okay. What experience have you got in this job role? Well, this, this, and this, and this. Okay. And what have you learned along the way? Well, I learned this, this, and this, and this. And what are those people looking for? What people that can do that? Oh, okay. So you're telling me you've done the preparation, you've got the experience, and they're looking for these types of people. What value are you going to add to this job when you get it? Well, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this. So the person starts to shift their perspective 
And through the questions that I'm using, they're taking the perspective about what will people think about me? What mistakes am I going to make into what have I done to create this moment? What steps have I taken that have led up to this situation? And what value am I going to bring when I succeed in this? Whether I get the job or whether I don't, what do I still benefit? How do I still benefit um, from being in this conversation? And the focus shifts because we can only look at one thing at a time. You cannot be grateful and fearful at the same time. Now, you can only do one of these things in a moment. So when we use the question to shift and see what the the what people do have, what is unique that they bring to this situation? What can they what's the only thing that they can add um, you know, that's important? What's significant about this to them? Uh, what would you like to add to this along the way? The question here, isn't that also aligned to our negative bias as well? Yes, because we learn that stuff and we can unlearn it by using those questions to validate what we're doing. We learn from a very early age, and I think I covered this in one of the other training, that you know, there's two fears that we learn. One is the fear of not enough, not good enough, tall enough, rich enough, educated enough, qualified enough, whatever. And the other one is the fear of losing love. If I do this, will people think less of me if I fail, if I succeed? And we learn those very early on. So when we can shift out of that and we use a coaching question to say, you know, to what is going on? What have you done? Where are you going with this? And get them to recalibrate that thinking and kind of um, to positively affirm that positive confirmation of what they're bringing to that situation and how they can move through it. People can redirect the focus. Even in the most testing and trying situations, we can still get people in, in a moment to readjust, uh, re create a new action to do what they need to do in that moment. It doesn't mean we're brushing things under the carpet, we're supporting them, taking a stronger position where they are with a focus to get done what they need to get done at that point in time. Because there will be previous behaviors and events that have caused these responses and reactions which are gonna hold us back when we come in with, with our own mental health. So the importance is, what are they focusing on? And helping them to redirect that focus with the questions that we, we're using. And by the way, I'm gonna get say again, the mental health coaching cards, they're on the website. They are five pounds, huge value for what you get in there. A huge raft of questions in there. Some of them I've already started sharing with you. But what is important? Well, the challenges and where I start, also I started talking about was it's the importance we put on things. The, the difficulty we have this, as we raise the importance up on it, we start applying internal pressure into our own head, into our own psyche. And when we believe that something becomes so important as a job interviewer's example, because there's millions of those happening every day, this job is all important to me. It's all um encompassing to me i cannot think of anything else if i don't get this job people are going to think i'm an idiot people um, i won't be able to pay my credit card bill um, i won't be able to do that if i get the job but, but yeah if i get the job people are going to think this of me and um, then i'm going to struggle to to keep up with the other people in the department and, and i won't know what they know and we start getting ourselves caught up in these loops but the importance level goes up and so does the pressure level so as we put more importance on something and we raise that pressure we start to create a, um, a kind of a positioning, a tension. And when we start putting that pressure on, 
whether it's quantum, Newtonian, astro, whatever, the moment that you apply pressure, you create an opposing force. That opposing force, psychologically, is that importance that we're applying to it, then gives us something to push against. And it starts to become um, difficult and obtrusive because there's always that thing that's pushing against us rather than relaxing into it and being firm in our mental position, our physical position, again, okay, well, I've done this, I'm doing this, I'm working with this, okay, I've got these great experiences, this is how I'm going to approach it, and you know what, even if I don't get the job, this is how I'm going to move forward, this is the next step, step I need to take, okay, I can get the reflections from there, the benefits from there, and then I'm going to do that with it, and we're already thinking and looking at new ways that are going to keep us growing and thriving and developing, rather than everything is on this one event and if it doesn't go my way at the end that's it which we see in a lot of situations when we reduce the importance down we take the pressure off we're not saying that it isn't um isn't necessary or there is a significance to it we just take the pressure down so that we're not applying that which creates the opposing um the the, the opposing exertion hope this is useful and making sense so with the importance is creating the focus, we redirect it and we reduce it. What's been useful from today? Crikey, it's 22 minutes, 20, and I'm on the nose for time, 20 minutes. Hope that was useful. On a scale of one to 10, one being not at all, 10 being absolutely, how useful is that for helping to work in mental health conversations? Cup of tens coming in good, thank you. Really appreciated. It's a very different way of looking at when we understand how people are thinking, how people are focusing, and where they're putting their importance, and the pressure that they start to build up in their in their head as a result of where they're looking. Depending on where you look at something depends on what you see. Uh, and the redirection effect on the focus, absolutely. Where can I find yesterday's video as I was on annual leave and couldn't get it online? Adam, absolutely, we can sort that out for you right now for yesterday's video. Focus and redirection is good, absolutely. What questions have you got for me now? We've got a little bit of time to play with, more than normal. What questions have you got for me right now to help you strengthen those questions that you've got? A couple of people asking for yesterday's video. We shall get the links for that in, in the below. And while those questions are coming, we're also going to put the link in for tomorrow's. If you have not registered for tomorrow, now is the time to make sure you're registered for tomorrow. We're going to be covering the N from the mind model tomorrow. Make sure you're registered for tomorrow. This is just going to get stronger and stronger as the week goes on. Watch the replays, watch yesterday's, get in for the rest of the week, because this is just going to give you a really robust framework to develop those conversations with the people that are most important to you, those in your teams. Questions coming in. How do we keep focused and stop the past creeping up for ourselves? Good. Prime example for this. How do we refocus? So imagine you're going to do a public speech for the first time. You're going to present in front of an audience. You know, and if you've done this already and you're working in your teams and you're delivering um, monthly numbers, etc. Okay, this is going to be normal. But imagine it's your first TED talk. You've been asked to present on a TED stage and deliver something you're really passionate about. 
what often happens when we're dealing with public speaking and these you know we start thinking about the mistakes we're going to make what will people think of us you know what outfit am i wearing is my makeup good um will they hear what i'm saying is it we start getting we start going through all the challenges all the challenges all the challenges and we get stuck in the problem and we start complaining about stuff and i've said this before as a mentor taught me you know complaining is the glue that keeps you stuck to your circumstance and as I understand it now is you cannot activate solutional thinking while you're complaining. So we get caught in this moment. When we shift out of ourselves, because it's all about me, me, me. Do I look, you know, how do I look in this outfit? Is this right? Is that right? Will they know what will they think of me? Da, da, da. It's always me, me, me. Actually, what is it I'm here to give to these people? What is it I'm here to provide? What message am I, you know, what's the reason these people have asked me to be here and how do I deliver that message? So we shift the focus in ourselves by asking those questions about why are those people sitting there? What's the reason they've asked me here to deliver this content? And by shifting that is we help to, to create a different dynamic of it in our own thinking, think our own head. Then when we've done that, we can then get on with it. When we're doing this in dealing with mental health situations, again, it's just getting out of our own way. You know, this person that I am helping is the most important person in the conversation. It's not about me. And as always, with coaching, with, with mentoring, with mental health, with giving feedback, who is the most important person in the conversation? And when we remind ourselves of that, we take the focus off of ourselves, put it onto the other person, because they are the most important person in the conversation. Who do I want to be in relation to this person? I want to be the person that's going to help them make the next best move. I want to be the person that's going to provide them the piece of information they need in order to develop and grow. Uh, Robert Ingersoll, one of my favorite quotes, we rise by lifting others. But if I'm always worried about what people are going to think about me, I'm going to be crushed under the weight of their opinion, the good opinion of other people, goop, as a mentor, again, the same mentor taught me before, We'll get crushed under the weight of that rather than thinking about how I can then climb up, pull people up and elevate and so on and so forth. How do you make leaders aware of that? That, that they don't do that by repetition. Just because when I share um, in the nicest possible way, I share uncommon things in uncommon ways and people go, ah, oh, because there's a shift in psychology, they can see why they ask certain questions or why they approach certain things because of the stuff that I've learned. Not everyone's had these experiences and it's the same for all of us. Is we have no right to tell someone else what to do. The only thing that we can do is two things, be the example and be the invitation. So we do what we do by example, by osmosis, by delivering the best possible um, uh, viewpoint an example now and we still catch ourselves when we make mistakes but holding our hands up to say do you know what i didn't go the right best route on it i want to improve that when we turn up and we show these behaviors and we let other people see that it then encourages them to shine and be in their full potential but we have no right to tell anyone what to do if they don't want to do it it's up to them if it's detrimental to the business to the brand to the reputation that is a different conversation one to be facilitated by hr leaders whatever when we want to do it as leaders, though, we have to show. And I, I give a horrendous example where a group of, I believe horrendous, a group of, of um, freshly qualified mental health first aiders 
and I get called by a team leader and says, I spoke to um, so-and-so who is the mental first aider and they told me to come and see you because they were too busy because they were going into a meeting. In that example, who is the most important person in the conversation? And is that okay? Yeah, the answer is the person in with the problem. That's the person that's most important. The person that said, no, I'm too busy, I'm going to a meeting, to them, who was the most important person in the conversation? I'm sure as grass is green, it wasn't the person that's got the situation or the problem. And that's not okay. So when we take that shift off ourselves and we go and be the example, it doesn't matter what is happening for you at that moment. If there is a mental health or physical health um, necessity for response, everything else stops so that you can go and resolve and be in that moment because the person you're working with is the most important person in the conversation. Just because you cannot see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I'm pretty sure if that person was a physical first aider and the person was bleeding out, then they would have got involved because they could, it was tangible. But because mental health isn't tangible, we, we, we don't want to interact with it. The other part of that is, it's getting deep on this question, I like this, thank you very much for this one. The other part of that is, is how vulnerable are you as a leader? Whether you're an HR leader, whatever, how honest are you with yourselves? Vulnerability isn't a weakness, vulnerability is an honesty. Vulnerability is the um, capacity to be open, to be wounded, is one of the dictionary definitions of it. Doesn't mean that you're weak. Now, in order to be vulnerable, it means you need to do your own healing, you need to do your own reconciliations in order to be able to help other people. Uh, Garbo Mate refers to the wounded healer. You know, you cannot be a healer, you cannot be a practitioner in these spaces unless you've healed your own wounds. Because all you'll do is you're just going to part, you know, you're just going to cover everyone else in your blood and cause more problems. And it's the same with leadership. Right now we have a crisis of leadership for varying different reasons. And we have a lot of wounded leaders that are in positions of power in organizations, countries, geographical, whatever, that haven't reconciled and dealt with their own pains and their own uh, challenges and their own traumas. And then just inflicting that on other people. So you may find in some of those leaders that aren't necessarily wanting to do it themselves is because they, they in turn doing that, they have to face up into themselves of that fear potentially of going and processing some of this stuff that's happened to them and as i said yesterday trauma is relative to every individual crikey that went in thank you what other questions you've got you know what let's, if there's anything else let's let's bring them now because this is important stuff any other questions right now for me regarding the i and mindset around working with leaders in mental health conversations if not, I'm good. You've got your link for tomorrow's session. Please make sure you are registered for tomorrow. We're gonna to continue this momentum of thinking and development. If you haven't got a copy of the mental health coaching cards, they are available on our website to purchase now. Thank you very much everybody for your support today. Thank you very much for being here. If you have any other questions, let me know, email us, bring them to the fore, bring them to tomorrow's session, one o'clock, be here, same sticky learning time, same sticky learning channel. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye.